When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Jessica Kupferman. With me, as always, my beautiful co-host, Elsie Escobar. Woohoo! Here I am! We have not recorded in what feels like a while, but I think it's only been like two like weeks. forever. Um, and so we're excited. We have a bunch of shiz to talk about today. Some interesting stuff happening in the space, as well as our fantastical live conference. This is not going to be the She Podcast live conference show, but... It is exciting that it's unfolding and you guys can hear a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I mean, actually, before we get started, though, Elsie, didn't you spend the week in a hotel? I did. Well, not a week in a hotel. I spent three days at a hotel because our van is the obvious. It's, you know, we we have vanished. We have always have transportation issues. We have car problems all the time. So in lieu of the girls missing yet another week of school. Oh, um, no. And mind well, you, we do homeschool, but we attend a homeschool co-op where they have like complimentary education and it's their social life and they do theater and musical theater and lots of science classes and math class. Like it's just a really great uh, opportunity there, but they really love to go. They really love to go. So we decided that in lieu of them, um, us staying at home and not being able to make it into town, that we would just stay at a hotel because Randy had some a business. He, in fact... He had a business, a, a training that he had to attend to Atlanta, Georgia. Yay. I know. I I missed him by like two days, right? Yes, you did miss him by by two days. So we had a lovely time at this hotel. We had a fancy dinner. It was amazing. I, you know, I, I put it all on as an Instagram story. Maybe I could put it in a, a highlight or something in there so you guys could check it out. It was so sweet. I, I had them eat Cuban food for the very mm, first time. I saw. It looked delicious. I was so proud of them. I mean, they inhaled their food. May May had this in giant paella. Even that's not Cuban. That's like Spanish food, but they're selling paella there. But it, it was right in front of them. And she was like literally just shoving the food in her mouth. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it was fantastic. <laughs> awesome. But given that, though, how was your hotel stays? Because we've been hoteling. How about your hotel stays in Atlanta, Georgia? Yeah, we've both been hoteling. Yeah. So yeah, so last weekend we didn't record because I was in Atlanta checking out hotels. We stayed in the Sheridan Atlanta and then we toured that and then we went to we did a tour of Atlanta actually. The tourism department of Atlanta had us on a little like city tour and like a little city tour. That's awesome. I don't want to say bus. It was like part bus, part car, if you can I don't know how else right. to explain it. And then we got to tour the Marriott Marquis, and they were very, very different hotels. And both of them would be lovely, I think. I don't know. I, I have to be careful because I have champagne, what they say, champagne taste on like a beer budget. But I don't know what kind of budget I have because this is the <laughs> first event. I'm not right. – I'm in a different position than Podcast Movement was when they did a Kickstarter because they had no idea who would come, whereas we, you and I now have – five years of consistent enthusiasm for podcast events to sort of guide us into thinking, you know, we could probably get 300 people. 
or 400 people or five or a thousand people. No, no. <laughs> but I mean, you know, at least for the first one, I think we can get like a 300 people. And so, you know, if it's going to be that big, I feel like there's a lot more forgiveness when it's like like podcast movement, if they didn't choose the right hotel the first year, which they did, if they didn't choose the right speakers the first year, which people have debated, but I thought it was fine. They have some forgiveness because it's the first one ever. Whereas like lots of people have gone to two, three a year. It's not the first one ever. And I felt I do feel a little bit of pressure to make it different enough and original enough so that it can stand on its own as a choice rather than something people are just supporting because they like us, even though it's not that great. Does that make sense? Yeah. But also, you know, you have to remember, but the first PodFest. I think the first one I went to was the second one, but yeah. But what all I'm saying is I seem to remember that you came back super fired up. Even while you were there, you were texting me going, this is incredible. This is an amazing experience. I didn't know that it could be like this, like this is totally different, like the speakers are going here, like you were totally, you know, and I think you can even listen back to a She Podcast a recording about this. Mm-hmm. It was like the experience for you was really great. And the venue was not the best. In fact, oh my God, was that was terrible. also like a joke. It was sort of like, you know, you stepped out and I guess there were like strip clubs everywhere and yeah. it felt like scary and there was nowhere to get like all terrible. everything you had to say about the venue and the hotel and all of those extra things was not particularly awesome. But you could not shut up about how amazing it was to be in a group like this and it was so awesome and I'm going back. And so I challenge that it really is more about the experience that we provide than the hotel itself. Because you can have a really fancy hotel for sure, but if the experience sucks, it doesn't really matter. You know, if like that, I think that's part of it. It really is once the people are together and whatever, however we lay it out, it works out. In fact, I remember, and I and this is totally a yoga thing here, Jess. But I remember one of when I was studying with my teacher, like the big dude that I we used to all follow, and we got certified under him and all the stuff. Like we used to buy to attend trainings with him, and they were pretty substantial investments, anywhere from like one hundred and fifty dollars to a thousand dollars for a weekend, depending on the training. And we went to this training. It was kind of close by. I think it was in San Diego or something like that to our house. And it's a pretty big chunk of change. And, you know, he was a big guy, meaning somebody else booked some of this stuff for him. Like he didn't really vet all of the locations. Like he had people doing that for him. We all showed up and the space that we were doing this yoga class in was this, it was a U-shape. So it had two places on the outer side. Then there was like one place that was flat. And then the middle of it, there were columns. And you couldn't see from one side of the room to the other side of the room. There was really no stage area. So if he was teaching, he was in the bottom part of the U. But the people that were in the top part of the U's couldn't see him at all. I mean, it was the most, it was a horrible space. It was horrific to teach a class. You couldn't see him. You couldn't, he would have to be walking around the whole time. And when he sat, it was the first time that he saw it and he took the stage and he sat in the front and the first thing he did is he he made sure the intention was set to have a great experience together because we are bigger than the space. The reason we're here is for a much, much more important reason. We're here for, and then he established the intention. He made sure that each one of us had the experience that we came to have. So he addressed it right from the get-go. And I think energetically speaking, that's what happens with, at least I believe it, 
with you and I that we have an energy yeah. that people really resonate with. So, yeah. I mean, as long as there is a place to stay and it feels safe, that you feel safe, that you're protected, that you don't feel like somebody's going to, you know, break into the hotel, because that's really my biggest concern is that my feeling of safety as a woman, and especially with lots of women, that's it. That really is it. Anything else, we establish what the intention is, and we cultivate that, and we hold to that. You're right. I know you're right about the space. However, one of the main differences about this conference is that we want it to feel somewhat like a retreat. So like, one of the right. things, I mean, right. I don't have a lot of complaints about the podcast conferences I've been to. They're very different. I did love PodFest because it was so different than Podcast Movement. They had different vibes. They still have different vibes. One of the reasons I want to do our own is because just some of the things I don't like going to other podcasting events. I have to wake up too early. Sometimes they're in hotels that aren't conducive to food or they're not close enough, you know, where you have to take an Uber everywhere to do something fun. Like, in Orlando, there was a Popeye staring me in the face for a week and I couldn't go because there was like an island in the middle and there was construction and I could just stare at the Popeyes and not eat it because it wasn't a city and I couldn't walk across a goddamn street to eat it. So it was like, there's just certain things that I just wanted accessible and available. And also I want people to sit in their room and feel refreshed and relaxed. And like, I stayed in a suite at the first hotel and I walked in and it smelled like chlorine which was later pointed out to me that it could have been bleach because of a crime scene. And I was like, what? Oh, no. Well, I mean, you know, you never know. I'm sure they just cleaned it thoroughly. But from the hallway to inside the door was a distinctly different smell. And it was a little uh, it was a little unnerving. Not to mention that a suite should be like a big, big room. But instead, you walk in, bathroom, you go down the hall, bedroom, you go down the hall some more, living area. It wasn't a big space. It was like a one. In fact, the the place where I slept was smaller than it would have been if I'd have just gotten a regular room. You want like a big space to like put your stuff and put it away. And I didn't have that. It was annoying. Right. And I thought, I mean, yeah, it would still be a great conference there. They had I love their weird ass retro carpet. I wasn't being sarcastic. That's the coolest carpet I've ever seen. It's like giant orange flowers. It was so terrible. I loved it. I do think we could have a nice conference there. The people there were extremely nice and accommodating and, and sweet. And I know that some things would be less expensive or whatever. But I also just felt like this is what every other conference would pick because they're not trying to create this like women's getaway experience. And I kind of want it to be both. I mean, they have a lovely right. pool. It's in a courtyard. They have a hot tub. They have, you know, they have all the stuff. It's just that... The other place made me feel more at peace. I don't know how else to describe it. I felt more peaceful. I know it's a much bigger space. I mean, John was saying they have Dragon Con there, which is like Comic Con, but for the East Coast. But for dragons. <laughs> they have Dragon Con there, which ahead. is like a really big conference there. And I and I know that right. we are not a conference of 30,000 people. I know that. But they did have a beautiful spa. They do have a restaurant that makes you feel... You know, kind of fancy. They do have a really big convenience store. It was very big. And it was full of all sorts of healthy options. They have all kinds of dining options. So like if we want to do breakfast with Danishes, that's fine. Or they'll set out like protein bars and eggs. And, you know, like we can customize it to be more healthy or more just whatever. I just felt like it was they were more equipped to do the experience that I want to provide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I still think it's a safe bet. Does that make sense? Right. Got it. 
All right. No, I mean, that's really cool. So you guys, at the time of the, of this recording, as we're recording here, we are 70, 70, 70, 70, <laughs> 77% 77% funded. Yeah. You know, so when you hear this in your little ears, the first thing that you have to do, if you have not supported the Kickstarter campaign, is to just head on over to shepodcast.com slash Kickstarter and... Give us a little something. Make this happen. Like have this be one of the best experiences that you feel that you are either a part of or that you had supported could come to life. Uh, yes. We've had so many people request this from us for such a long time. And we really just want to do this thing. And I think, you know, both with Jess and I, when it comes to coaching clients and mentoring our individual people and doing the podcasting school for women and all of that kind of stuff. So the opportunity for us to be able to put this together and the only way we can make it work is if we have the synergy of you showing up. You are the secret sauce. Without your spice coming into the mix, it's not going to be the best that it can be. So if you haven't donated for us, go over to shepodcast.com slash Kickstarter. This, when you hear this on Monday or thereafter, it will be the very last week. We only have 12 days left of the Kickstarter and we're 77% of the way there. Every time someone buys a ticket, there's hope. And then you realize it's still, we have $6,000 left and there's only 12 days to make it. Right. I know we got to do it. So you guys go ahead, take, take it, do it, stand, make it, go. <laughs> Thank you, Elsie. That was very eloquent. Okay. On I know news. it was. I know. Okay. Here we go. On, on with the show. I'll loot this show, huh? Let's do some news. How about that? The news you can use for the informed podcaster. Podcasting news. I do believe that I mentioned this in the past, so this is just going to be a quick reminder. But the podcaster creator program that is being put on by Google, the deadline is April 14th. So... The program, the Google Podcast Creator Program, seeks to increase the diversity of voices in the industry globally and lower barriers to podcasting. Selected teams will receive seed funding and participate in an intensive training program. So this program is run by PRX, a pioneer in podcast training and education. So get in your applications April 14th, 2019. And there will be a link in the show notes for that, guys. The thing that's really cool about this is that this literally is global. So... If you are somebody that's in Africa, if you're somebody that's in Russia, if you're somebody who's, you know, in Spain proper, go ahead and submit to this. It, it doesn't have to be English speaking. It can be in whatever language you are uh, choosing to podcast. So it is a global initiative to support diversity of voices in the entire world. So go for it if that's you. Yay. So what's this pizza party thing? Podcast pizza party. Yeah. So there is a contest going on for schools where they can submit a podcast that they put together. It's a sister student podcast competition for all ages, including K through four. The submission deadline is April 19th. Winners are announced on the 24th. It can be it's for synth. So you have to go on synth and you have to submit a single or multi-synth podcast, no more than 12 minutes and 48 seconds in length, which is three full synths. And then it's going to be judged by a panel of five teachers. There will be a total of five winners, um, three for K through four, one for five through eight, and one for nine through 12. Winners will be featured on their Explore page and in a newsletter. Also, they'll get a synth-sponsored pizza party for their entire class. I thought that was oh a cool God. way to get kids into podcasting. What do you think? 
Yeah, I love it. I've seen so much of this. I got an email this morning from Lori, who is the president of Libsyn, and um, she just shared. It's interesting. I'm not sure if this is the same thing. She shared that there's like a, they're looking for somebody to help be the judges for something that's very much like this, but I'm not, I don't know what the program is. And she just wanted to know if I had any interest in, in that. So, mm-hmm. or for Lipson to support them in some way. And it is open to grades K through 12. So it, it seems really interesting. It seems like a lot of schools are doing this. I'm all for it. Let's keep doing it. Yay, us. Yay. <laughs> Yay, podcasters. Yay, podcasters. Yay. Dun, dun, dun. And so Google Podcasts, just to let you guys know, this has been like really, for whatever reason, I guess now Google's really pushing some of the stuff that's been coming out. So Google Podcasts supposedly is available for desktop web. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have not tested this out. And there's a lot of stuff that happens with Google Podcasts, the act- the app that Google, that actually Google has put out that they're releasing functionality that I can't do because I don't have an Android phone. But then I also try to find out how this looks and I don't quite understand. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes. This was from an article from 925google.com. The headline is Google Podcast is available on, I know, on desktop web with playback, (laughs) playback and syncing. And supposedly that's supposed to be on your website. So if you go to, I guess, if you share a podcast or specific episode, the Google Podcast app on Android generates a google.com slash podcast URL. And so when you do that, if you click on that in a browser, it takes users to a basic page that features like the cover art and the podcast name and the publisher with a link to manually open the Android app. So... I guess that's awesome, <laughs> right? I hope. Yeah. Because I don't know awesome. what, you know, I don't know what this looks like, sadly. I think I'm going to have to buy some kind of Android device. Honestly. No, you I don't. I think I'm going to have no, to get don't. like a tablet. You can get a Samsung. I mean, I'm not like, saying yeah, a tablet. Samsung tablet. Yeah, right. That's what Scott has. Yeah, I'll get a tablet. I, I you know I have a tablet and I never play with it. And I should because I'm just now realizing that I could learn about all this stuff if I just touched it once in a while. Well, that sounded dirty, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> See how it works. (laughs) If you just tap these parts. Anyway, so you guys go check it out. And and, and if any of you are that are listening would like to play with with whatever this article says and check it out for yourself, why don't you go ahead and see what it looks like? And then you can let us know and send us some feedback over at feedbackashleypodcast.com. Let us know what it looks like, especially all of you guys who are that have Android devices or that have, for whatever reason, gotten that link, that URL, and it does that for you. Um, the other bit of information that has come out from Google Podcast is that now, and this is really intriguing, and I posted this on the Lipson page, on the Lipson social media pages and stuff. And I have to say that there were a lot of people that were really kind of scared about this and not happy at all. And there were some people Mm. who were blown away by what this can do. So uh, the headline here from Android Police over at androidpolice.com says, Google Podcasts in episode search is coming. Shows now being fully transcribed. No way. 
Yeah. So it, it seems here. So I'm going to read a little bit from the article so you guys can kind of get a gist of what this is. So quote, Google Podcast is now automatically generating transcripts of episodes and is using them as metadata to help listeners search for shows, even if they don't know the title or when it was published. Right? Unquote. Isn't that neat? I mean, yeah, I thought that amazing. was cool because because what it does is that Google is sort of it's parsing or yeah, transcribing whatever is being said in the show in sort of mm-hmm. like the back end. So it's it, it, the transcripts appear in a section of the page source for the episode list uh, listing. So this isn't front facing. It's not like somebody's going to go to your website and see that transcript. It's it's in the source code. And mm-hmm. so essentially, if somebody is saying like, let's say for the She Podcast conference. If we wanted to find, I'm just putting this out there. I don't know if this is actually possible at this moment, but if we wanted to find out if there were any other places that were mentioning our conference, She Podcast Live, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we could do a search. And in theory, anybody who mentioned She Podcast Live on their show, but didn't necessarily link to it, or maybe it was just a brief conversation about it, that would still show up in search results, which I think is really great because there's times where we've mentioned things on the show in passing that it's not that they were unimportant, but, you know, we gave a shout out to somebody or we mentioned a product that we didn't link to just because it was, again, it was just in passing that it might show up to say like, oh, listen to the show that there's a mention there. And but it says here, not every show on Google Podcasts has the transcription, but if you happen to put Corbin dabbing port. I think Cor- that's just um, because of this ep- this uh, podcast episode example that they're using into the app search engine. You'll see that there's actually results that come up for that specific search term, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Now, what what do you think? And this is like something from Kara Swisher that I often allude to now because she mentions it a lot. What is like the Black Mirror episode of this really cool functionality, Jess? Like, what would you think is like the worst thing that could happen with this? Like if some, you know, bad people decided to exploit this. The transcribing, I mean, stealing, I would think. Yeah, that's and yeah, that that's it. Stealing that's content, exactly what most, period. Yeah. The internet will become a free-for-all of scripts, poetry, reinterpretation, <laughs> fanfic. All of it will just, I mean, yeah, there's no way, once it's out there, there's no way to protect it. Copy. I mean, it's yeah. copywritten, but is it? <laughs> I mean, especially if it's well, on Google, is it? Don't you sign a terms and condition that says like, yeah, I'm putting this there and you can do what you want with it. Is that what you were thinking too? I wasn't thinking negatively at all because I'm always such a happy puppy. I'm like, yay! You whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, it's interesting you know, that you asked like, my opinion, though. Is that because you couldn't imagine how it would be terrible, or or what do you mean? No, I I asked it because I wanted to. I wanted you to, to have your thoughts on this too, because a lot of the time we're so positive about things, we often forget the the repercussions, right? And I had seen yeah. it, so I kind of want to share. Um, the thoughts of somebody on Twitter, somebody who I think is an amazing podcaster. His name is Mark Gillespie, and he has the Whiskey Cast. I was on his show once, and it's really cool. But this is what he said via Twitter. He said, 
This is wrong for a number of reasons. Copyright infringement for non-creative commons licensed podcasts, potentially legal liability, and the fact that Google is using our content to build up its AI and speech recognition systems. Here's our take on the liability issue. Speech-to-text transcription is still very inaccurate. If Google publishes a podcast transcript that gets the facts in a story wrong and the subject of the story sues for libel, who's on the hook? Google or the podcast producer? The podcast may be accurate, but the separate publication of a transcript for that podcast may make the producer liable if a Google if Google doesn't allow for the owners of the podcast the ability to edit the transcripts of their own content. Regarding copyright, we hold a copyright on the content for each podcast episode, but if Google makes the content freely available in transcript form without our consent, all of our interviews and stories are available to any copy and paste aggregator yeah. with no attribution or notice. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, how do you control who? Wait, but is it mandatory or is it not mandatory? We don't know. I don't think we know enough about some of this. Like, so it's funny whenever I share stuff like this, like they think that I'm the not I, but like when if Libsyn shares it and I think that even if I share something too, just an article like this, people are like, so, well, is this an opt? Like they start to giving me the FAQs and I'm like, dudes, y'all, I just found the article. I'm just sharing. I'm not, I don't, not the expert on all things mm-hmm. this. <laughs> so I think this is something to look at for sure. I see the good in it and podcast discoverability for sure, but I can see how it can do what Mark said. You know, he is, um, he was very, he's on point there that there are possibilities that any of this could be used in a less than auspicious way and um you know copy pasting information and i don't know getting yeah out of context all kinds of different things yeah. so um that's a Creepy. story we will continue to follow for sure yeah that's weird i i don't know how i feel about that i really don't right so now we're we're going to have to find out we're going to find out like part of me is just like who the hell do they think they are and the other part of me is like, yay, I don't have to do it myself. <laughs> right? So it's like, I mean, but think of it. If we are doing it ourselves, then I guess we'd be happy. Mm. Right? If we, w- w- What do you mean? If we aren't doing it ourselves or if we are doing it ourselves? People want their stuff transcribed because they want the Google juice. And so Google's yes. offering to give Correct. them the juice. And now we're going to say we don't want it. It just seems crazy. Right. Yeah, you know? I think that maybe it, it uh, well, hopefully, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but hopefully th- there will be a an opt in or out of this. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. This has never be ha- happened before. You know, we I mean, we, if you don't know, I don't know. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Who's supposed to know if you don't know and I don't know? Knows? Nobody knows. Then nobody knows. So, OK. On a happier note, though, how about we talk about what we need to do for our friend Emily Prokop? Yes, could we? Emily, 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 Emily. Okay. So (laughs) Emily was nominated. Emily Prokop and her podcast, A Story Behind, was nominated for a Webby. And they gave her even a little graphic of the Webby so that she could put it like pretend, put it on her shelf and then send it to people. Like, look, I could have a Webby. But um, basically you need to – the Webbies is a People's Choice Awards for the best of the internet. And in podcasts, here is her competition. Serial, a show called In the Dark, Slow Burn, and The Habitat. 
and a story behind, which I would really like to see her beat the pants off of these other shows because they're not nearly oh as God, good yeah. as her show. And I'm not even being biased. Am I? Maybe no. I am. And also, but, no, you're not being biased. No, but here's the thing, though. She's an indie podcaster. Yeah. I mean, and she's true, up against serial. All in all. And the, I know. And so she's competing with the corpcasters, if, if you will, with the ones yeah. that have all of the resources or not all, maybe half of the resources that she has. Because guess who produces Emily's show? Guess who does the research, who um, records it, who edits it, who re- who designed the website, who? who promotes it. Guess who does that? Guess who does that? Emily. 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 Emily does Emily. it. I got so right. Emily. I guess right. Emily. 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 <laughs> That's right. I guess so right. Yay. She does all the. She is her own team, people. She is doing the job of 17 people. Yeah. That many people get $25,000 an episode to produce. Guess who's doing it all? She's doing it, y'all. So let's give her some love. Can we also just take a minute to recognize, I know this is what you're trying to say. I just want to recognize the fact that Emily is an indie podcaster and she's up against shows that have huge budgets and huge staffs. Mm -hmm. What does that say about the caliber to which she performs every task? So I just wanted to give her a shout out for that as well. Emily, we are so excited and proud for you and if i could vote a billion times i would so all of you do it for us please go to the link we have in our show notes shepodcast.com slash 224 and please vote for her it would mean so much to all of us thank you thank you thank you you know the webbies if you win you have a five word acceptance speech so she was on social media and she said hey listen what would you like to do and i said it like if she wins she should go up there and say look i'm a serial killer (laughs) <laughs> uh, that would be that. amazing but that's really great i love that idea they should have done that for you know the 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 podcast awards over at for podcast movement mm-hmm. i think that would help them continue it would. It and totally not have would. a show that was like four hours long to have everybody like five word acceptance speech let's yeah get. anyway totally right. uh, yeah <laughs> oh okay, my god move. Moving right along. Dude. Moving right along. How about we do, let's do some tool tips. Elsie's tool tips. Oh my gosh. I want to just give my love to uh, Headliner. Do you guys know Headliner? Do you know, you know Headliner, right, Jess? No, I don't think I do. I think you do, but I don't think that you, you have used it in a while, but I think that you know what that is. It's an app huh. that makes like audiograms. Right. Because oh. there's a lot of different ones. We've talked about free. Wave before. We've talked about and they, they used to be called something else. I forgot what the other name was that they used to be called. But, you know, there's Wave and there's like Audiogram. I think there's so many different um, apps out there that actually do this. But this is cool. There's but well, yeah, Headliner for me has been they've really done things incredibly well. So they've got an audio wizard. They have article to video they have that's in beta but they have video transcripts so you can do all of these amazing things to create a visual a sort of like a video of whatever audio pieces you have or or any other medium that mm-hmm. uh, either needs transcripts or that necessitates you sharing your information in another different in a different way in headliner so the thing that i really love about this is the ability to customize what you're putting out there so what I see usually is people doing the same type of audiogram post. Like you look at it and it's got the little wave forms and you immediately, I think as an end user, 
are, especially for us as podcasters, when you look at it, you go, oh, it's an audiogram. And you kind of like me, my myself, I kind of dismiss it. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize with Headliner is that you can customize so much about it. Like you can have, you can create something that doesn't have a pretty image on it that is all text, that it's just the transcribed text popping up, meaning that every time somebody says a word, it highlights the word and moves it around. You can change the fonts. You can make them huge. You can make them little. There's different styles of it as well. You can also multi-layer it, meaning you can have a transcription, but you can also have extra text that pops up in certain parts of the file, like listen here or Put the, UR- the URL can come up or something like that. You can add extra information to it. You can also make them different sizes. It could be a square. It could be, you know, a rectangle. It could be like for Instagram stories, like all of that is added to it. And it all you can also have things that are really long. So I think, I believe you get 10 minutes for free. And I know that they're doing, they are. Oh, and at this moment, you guys, at this moment, it's free. This whole thing is free. There's no, free. you don't buy it. It's free, but they are going to be doing a, a premium something. And I, I, don't, I don't exactly know what their premium thing is at this moment. All I know is that I have been having the best time just looking at it. how to make them visually appealing. I've tested a couple of them for myself. I did one where I kind of, it's kind of like a thought leader type of audiogram that I posted it into my Instagram page where it's not necessarily in promoting my show specifically, but I try to do it differently where I'm going to capture quotes when I'm being like smart, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm saying smart things. It's hard to do. It is hard that, to that, do that. I know. It's really, especially if it's, especially with the way that I talk where I, you know, it takes me five minutes to like make a point of that's like 30 <laughs> seconds long. It can be hard to do. It's annoying. So I'm trying to, to do that. And it's and I think it's it's such a great tool for promotion. Again, I'm not using this as podcasting growth. I don't think that audiograms directly affect the growth of your podcast as in download numbers, but they do increase your visibility and they do increase brand awareness for sure. So at this point, Headliner is doing things for free and I'm so super stoked by that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it does look free and it looks really cool. And probably better than the thing I used to make our promo video. I'm going to try and play with it a little bit more to create like big yeah. like promo videos, you know? Oh, this would be so great because even with the like little commercial, like we create behind the scenes people. Jess and I created like a little mini commercial for She Podcasts like live. And I think that we're, it would be really cool to put it in there because you can add different images you can and you can transcribe it. And I think transcription at this moment is really key because when you're, I don't know about you, but there's times where I'm just consuming Instagram and I don't have time to be listening to anything. I'm not listening. I'm right. looking. And Why um, should you? I, yeah. So if you're looking at something and scrolling through your feed, it's so much better when you have the, like the, the transcription pop in your face, right? So that you it don't have nice, to It is nice because you don't want to type it in because what if you spell everything wrong? Exactly. That's my, that's and and it's, anyway. yeah, it's really nice. There's so many beautiful things about that. And the next tool tip kind of thing is I kind of want to touch base again with Rode, but I, I want, and I know you've talked about this before, but let's talk about what you're using right now to record, Jess, what your microphone right now that you're using. Right now I am using the Rode pod mic, which by the way, just became available. It had like, when we got our, when I got this one, no one could buy them. 
Oh, that was really good timing that? because it created a bit of a frenzy. So now they're available at B and H, and I think even on the Road website. But yeah, I love this microphone. It makes me sound very smooth. I love it. And if you guys buy the pod mic, why don't you come and tell us on the She Podcast group, on the She Podcast page, on the She Podcast Ooh. Instagram, or even on Twitter, and say, "Hey, just got the bot the pod mic because we we heard it on your show because it's like." We need to let people know when, because the mic is $99, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. It's a really nice price point to up level your audio. Like it's not, I mean, I'm using the Samsung Q2U right now, which is, I bought it for $40. It generally runs around 60. I think it's a, a an amazing starter mic to, to step into it. In fact, it's a solid mic to use for so many different things. But if you do want to take it up a little bit more, the pod mic at $99 is very doable. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very fancy and just sounds amazing. I sound. I There's amazing. only one thing I just want to caution people. If you're using a mic as a USB, you're going to need an audio interface for this because oh, yes. it's Sorry. only XLR. You cannot plug this directly into your computer. So you wanted to use a, like a, a Foresight 2i2 audio interface would work perfect or a small mixer would work. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, I did not call that out. And and also the other thing that you could do is if you do have a solo show and you do have like um like an H4, a Zoom H4 and a Zoom H6, you can plug it straight into your recorder and it would work as well. Thank you for that, John. That's really helpful, yeah. which actually helps me now talk about the Rodecaster Pro, which is what I have. And it's something that I'm starting to set up and hopefully I'll be able to have a bigger review on that for you guys here. Like I'll talk a little bit deeper into that. So the Roadcaster Pro is about the size, what I would say, like slightly bigger than a MacBook, right? In terms of of, of the rectangle area size, it's it's bigger, slightly bigger than that, and it's about two inches thick. So it's a pretty decent size in front of you. So this is not a compact thing, but what it does is that it essentially creates the opportunity for you to create a show from start to finish with one device. Um, it has the opportunity for you to plug in up to four separate, or I think even five separate mics in there. Each of them have the ability already built into the system to be able to to like level everybody's audio. You can monitor. You can also do compression and post production on each track. Not obviously not post production because you haven't produced it yet, but to do like compression and things like that to the audio whenever you're sticking the microphone in. So if somebody's voice is like super low or maybe somebody has a louder voice or a higher voice, you can actually do the compression on each one of those because they there's presets that align with the people's voices and and also with the type of microphone it is. So let's say somebody has a condenser mic and somebody has a dynamic mic. It has already sort of like presets to really optimize the sound of that. The other thing that it has, it has the music, you know, that John adds for us. So if we had the Rodecaster Pro and let's say either John and Jess and I were sitting around, he literally would just press it in the little buttons and have the music come in and out. And that's really fantastic. But Mm -hmm. you guys, this is the biggest selling point for this little guy because there are other things out there that can to do exactly what I'm saying. There are other devices. But the thing that I'm most excited about, and the one that I want to test, is that you can actually plug in your iPhone or your cell phone into it. Okay? There are a couple mm-hmm. ways to do it. I believe it. you can do it via uh, Bluetooth, or I think you can also do it as a, you can plug it in. I haven't tested that out, so please don't quote me. You have the input where you can plug it in. 
And you also have the ability to use the Bluetooth on the phone. Yeah. So that's really cool. So so that means, you know, all of those questions that you have from people saying, oh, my God, I need, you know, to find a way to to record a conversation. And should I use Zoom? Skype is really crappy. Um, how about Zencaster or whatever? You don't need that. You just have mm-hmm. the device and you just either make a call, uh, you make a phone call. You just you have somebody call the show. Obviously, the quality is going to be a phone quality, but there's a lot of people out there who are interviewing people like, you know, with Jerry Williams with her FBI show. She's she's uh, interviewing retired FBI agents and she's one of her biggest problems is that they go, I don't want to get into Skype. I don't, that's just too, it's too many things that just yeah. don't quite work with them, right? They just want to call a number. So if they, you can just give them a number, they can call the show. You can do, do it right there. And you've got the entire show all set up, which is amazing. I mean, towards the end of it, you've got a show. You have a show there, which is awesome. Now, there's extra a couple of different things there. They have created the the option. At the beginning, they didn't have, like, you couldn't export out the separate tracks. It was all mixed down into one track after you were done. So let's say we had three guests. When you got the end result, there were there was one file with all of the tracks in it already. And so that became a challenge if you have issues with somebody's audio. Mm -hmm. Um, They have currently updated. And now you can, if you are using it in conjunction with your computer, it actually allows you to have multi-track editing. But they are going to be updating. And I don't know if the firmware update has been released by Rode at this moment. They are going to release again yet another firmware update where you will be able to do that into the SD card that is in the machine itself, in in the interface itself, which is really cool as well. That's kind of where I'm going for because I don't want to have my computer in the mix. I kind of want to have it in the middle and just record with just the Rodecaster Pro minus my computer. And so I'm waiting for that update. And uh, so it's really cool. They're really listening to the community. It's an amazing device. And uh, right now, I think it's, Please correct me if I'm wrong, John, but it's, um, I think the price is, is it $799? I thought it was somewhere around $600 or it might be $700. I'm not 100% sure. But the thing at first, the deal breaker for me was it was, it all mixed down into one channel. Now that they have the possibility, they have the capability of having separate channels. To me, that is, it sounds like the perfect podcasting mixer, to be quite honest. It's portable enough to take it anywhere. And, and set it up very easily. It has, you know, the phone, use, be able to use the phone to call somebody is an amazing option. And, you know, to have, to be able to put the compression and set up microphones through the software that's in the mixer itself. I've been dying to get my hands on one of those. I went out and bought the Zoom L12 mixer. I had nothing but problems with it. I'm dying to get my hands on, on this to see if I, and then mess around and play with it. Hmm. Oh my God, it's so cool. So um, I was wrong. I was actually, that was too, too much, guys. It's $599 right now. Yeah, that's why I thought, I thought it was like um, $600. Yeah, yeah, it's $599. So $600. And, and I know that that's a big chunk of change, folks. I get it. I totally understand. But I think for some of you guys who are, there's so many people right now who are like pulling their hair out because they want really great quality, but they don't know how to get a host on or they don't know how to do an interview show or they don't know. Like there's a point there where like this device essentially does all of the things. 
in one li- mm-hmm. in one thing. And if you really are going are, are seeing the longevity of your show, like you you're not doing this just as a I'm not saying a hobby in a bad way, but you're not just testing the waters, let's say. Let's say you've got a mission and you're like, I want to do this and I want to have my own really, I want to have audio production that is of caliber and I want to test these things out. I want to have roundtables. I want to be able to have an interview show. I want to save my time on editing and post-production. You know, all of these things. This can fix it for you. You can have it like that. You could just do it. You can have it all. It's amazing. You can just do it. So what I wanted to do was exactly what that mixer does for $500. If you went in and got four Rodecaster Pro mics, that's $400. And then that is six. So it's for $1,000, basically around $1,000, you would have a complete podcasting kit. So let me just tell you what I – so I went out and I bought three microphones for $250 a peach, piece. Peach. I bought a, a peach. I bought a mixer for like seven hundred dollars. I bought a audio interface for another seven hundred dollars, and my God. the DBX two fifty six. I think that was two hundred dollars each. I have three of them for each mic, just so it would sound oh like it was audio. Right, that does all all that money. This mixer and those microphones would do the same thing for about a thousand dollars. And I can do everything now. I can take a phone call. Like right now, Elsie's on the phone. It doesn't sound like Elsie's on the phone to you, but Elsie's on the phone. I'm recording that. I'm recording Jess from my computer, me, and I'm recording all that into a MacBook Pro. And when we get done, it sounds like we're all in the same studio. This mixer does all that for $600. That's amazing. Pretty amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's like I think this is a, a, one of those game changer things. Like, if you want to save your money and invest in something, this is an incredible. It's 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 exactly what it's called the Road. You know, the Roadcaster Pro Integrated Podcast Production Studio. That's exactly what it is, and it's portable. It's big and bulky, but it's not too heavy. So it's not like really like oh my god, like you're picking up a brick. Not at all. It's light, but it is it is big ish to carry. But it is portable enough to be able to do something like that. Like I was just thinking like I could stick it inside of my pulley bag, my carry-on bag. And if I'm traveling in the summertime, my Mm. clothes are very small. (laughs) And I could just, I could pack this thing and my clothes for a week. No, just kidding. (laughs) So weak. So, um yeah, so you guys check it out. It's it's amazing. So I will be doing some hopefully a little bit of audio and video somehow to share what that looks like because uh my dream is to be able to sit around with my girls and even with Randy so that we could sit down and have like and re- do some recording and just play around with that. And I think that would be really fun and and it's exciting and it's also an opportunity for me to teach my girls about about audio because it looks really cool and it's got all these knobs and but it's also really accessible. It it doesn't Jess, if you look at the picture, does that look like as scary as the mixers that were I think that this isn't as scary looking. It still looks like a mixer, but it's less intimidating than others. I'll give you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Cause no, I mean seriously, it's got pretty colors. <laughs> and the yeah, way that it's laid out, it doesn't look like I don't know what all of these things do because generally mixers have so many knobs and I don't know where they go. And the way that this is set up, it just makes it visually like it makes sense. Like, 
here's like the pretty colors where you press the different buttons. This is the volume. And they've got like lots of little icons, like the record button. It's got a big, it's big, and it says REC with a circle. It's like, and it's, and it's red. So it's like, and so there's like a lot of things where you look at it and you go, oh, I see. That's where you record. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's good. It looks like it's good. I'm still a little scared, but that's why I have the pod mic and not that. Mark has one of those too, the pro, and he loves it. Oh, good. uh, Yeah. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you, Rode, for helping us out and get the word out about your stuff. And I have one last thing to say about Rode. Because I, I'm, I've been a fan of their products for a long time. And before we quit, sorry, guys, I'm in a gear. It's okay. Like, it's not. Anyway, they just released this. This is called the Wireless Go Digital Wireless Microphone System. So it's a tiny little, it's like a box of, I don't even know exactly the size of it. It's kind of like a mint, right? It's like a box of mints. And mm-hmm. it's got a built-in microphone in it, kind of already. But um, you can also... Add it has the option to be able to attach a lavalier mic to it. And uh, for those of you who want to be mic'd or are doing a lot of like, let's say, Instagram stories or doing a lot of, um, you know, video where you are capturing yourself and you and you don't want any cords hanging off of you and you kind of want to move away from the camera or something like that. They have this awesome little thing that they've just released, which is called the wireless uh, go digital uh, microphone system. And it's it's a, a clip on mic or a belt pack transmitter for lavalier headset microphone. Um, it has an omnidirectional condenser microphone in it that is uh, an omnidirectional just means that it captures a lot more of the information around you. And it is uh, a condenser microphone. So it does pick up a lot more sounds. It's what I used to use when I was recording Elsie's yoga class. So it's not pristine like you hear me right now on mic and that's all you hear. You hear the environment, but your voice is is very clear. Um, so Check that out as well. They've just released that. And that's like another sort of thing that I would love to have even. But right now the function, I don't need this. Like I don't do that kind of a recording very much. But I think Mm -hmm. for those of you guys who are recording on the go, you want to sound really great while you're walking, like that's still, people uh, ask that in She Podcasts all the time, mobile stuff. And it is compatible with your, with an iPhone, with an extra adapter and stuff like that. So check it out. Sweet. Um, I just think they're doing good stuff. Sweet. All right. I think I'm done talking now, Jess. It's your turn. I think we're <laughs> taking it out. It's a lot I think of tech, we're but you know, I'm here to listen and learn just like anybody else. Okay. Well, I think now that we've talked about road, I'll just mention very quickly that we we have a new segment that we're going to start called the Super Squad Sample. And basically every week, at Elsie or I are in our special Patreon group, the VIP level, the $5 level called the She Podcast Super Squad, answering questions. We had some interesting questions this week, just like we did. We have interesting questions every week, but we thought it would be fun to answer them together rather than do it each one and one, which is what we do every Tuesday. We had a few good ones. We talked about VAs and how do you hire a VA and keep a good VA. We talked about everyone recommending having a Facebook group for listeners. How do you get people to want to join when you can't get any interaction on your posts other than make better posts? I mean, she kind of answered her question there, but how do you manage all the social creation and a dovetail from that? Can you share some thoughts on the volume of shareables you create per show? So I can certainly take that one. 
we used to create lots of shareables, but not as many graphics. We only have the one episode graphic, but we were sharing tweets at least three or four. We still share at least, you know, four or five tweets per episode every week from Monday through, you know, the following Monday. We still share it on Instagram. We share it on Facebook. We share it in the group and we send an email. That is our kind of like... That's our mojo. We we would like to start doing more. I think we have we have plans on starting more. Um, it's just a matter of batching it. It's very hard to batch it, but I would like to do like some quotes. I would like to do you know, but I think some of that is also going to come with the marketing of the event. So I'll be marketing everything all at once. I think, um, mm-hmm. and that will yeah. hopefully that will work out work itself out. But not everyone has like an event and a show that they're trying to do all at once. I would at least do at least one thing on every channel. We often do the same thing on the channels. You can feel free to do different. Certainly now that she's told us about headliner, that would be a good thing to do like video on Instagram and then maybe just the graphic on Facebook or vice versa. Well, I can tell you that as we're going through the E-League right now, one of the biggest questions that I we get and the reason that we're focusing in on these five weeks is on mission critical clarity. And part of the work that we're doing is to really streamline whatever that means to grow your show, to actually grow it. And so what I've noticed in terms of doing a lot of research and a lot of observation of behavior of people creating all of this extra stuff, right? Because it's a lot. It's a lot of things to create. It is. That the thing is that none of that actually grows your show. Like that doesn't make your show have more downloads, right? So I'm just using that like as in growth equals more downloads for your show. That's how I'm using this um, this definition. And so what I've really started to to impart is that we have to do a little bit more work. Like, does uh, a pitching for a, a feature to be featured somewhere for a write-up, is that going to get you more bang for your buck than creating, sitting down and having like two to three hours of creating audiograms and putting them out on Instagram? Is engaging with your community meaning that you're trying to reach out to them, you're responding to things, you're listening to their shows, you're finding out who they are. Uh, Is that going to have a bigger impact for your show? Is you getting really totally stepping out of the box and like figuring out if there's any specific conferences that you need to attend and pitching yourself to be a speaker for that conference going to get you more bang for your buck? Is that something that's more mission critical than actually just putting things out on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook? And the other thing is, what platform is really getting you more stuff? I find that focusing in on one platform and natively engaging and optimizing for that platform, it's going to have a bigger, greater impact for you than if you just do it everywhere. And not to say if it's easy for you to do it everywhere and just take it out there, that's fine. But you do have to focus in on a platform. You have to do it. Because yeah. if not, it's not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing if you're not present. All true. Very true. Yes. The biggest issue that we have, I know with Jess and I, and also with the women that I'm working with right now, is that because we are sort of like, for the most part, doing everything ourselves, and we are so happy that John supports us in getting the the audio out for this, but most of us are like doing it all ourselves. And so once we finish editing the show and doing the show notes and putting it out, It's like we have to have some time to stop because it's overwhelming. And then you have to start prepping for your next show. So it's like, oh, my God, is it ever going to end? So give yourself a little bit of space and really focus in on the things that you feel are really going to drive the mission of your show 
to grow it truly instead of just doing things because you feel you're supposed to do it on your to-do list. You know, I wish that there were three things that we could tell people that will grow every single show. Like there's not one answer. I I don't know. I mean, I know know the person who asked this question because she's a friend, but for each show, the answer is so very different. Like it depends on your audience. It depends on what kind of show it is. It depends on what kind of outlets there are in the industry, like the horse radio network. There's these horse shows and horse publications and he can, I, Uh, He can show up to those and he can cover the events and he can be in those publications and it's easy for him to get sponsors regardless of downloads because it's the only network with 14 shows about horses. But like if you're doing a business show or a branding show, you have to be creative and stand out or be helpful or offer something that like makes people come to your show in droves because there's just a lot of competition. So how are you going to stand out? How are you going to stand out in the competition? It's not by doing what Elsie and I necessarily do, which is, you know, posting our episode graphic on Facebook and like an Instagram. We don't really, we're not really doing what you might want to do if you, if you want your podcast to be your business. Ours is sort of like, it's always been like a, an experiment. Yeah, it is an experiment. And it's also an extension of not only the She Podcast brand, but also our individual brands, right? So it's like, it's sort of like a platform that is ours that happens to be kind of big, but we're not necessarily, I don't even know, really one pointed making money off of it. You know what I mean? This is not like this podcast is not our business, the core of our income. It's not this podcast. It's these other things. And mm. like I would get a bigger bang for my buck following up on um, people who want to consult with either me or Jess and I yeah, to make the money than if we spent that time promoting the show. You know what I mean? That to me is mission critical. Mission critical is getting whatever the goal is into us, right? So whatever gets that money into Jess and I, that's what we are need to focus on. We don't need to focus on creating extra marketing. If we're getting the clients and we're not following up with the clients. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's uh, That has been an that. issue in the past, actually. But yeah, figure out what your product is. If your show's the product, you have a long, that's a very long road. It's not impossible, but it's a long road. Yeah. And I'm just going to say one last thing here, guys that the in terms of download numbers, I don't even know where y'all are getting. And this is my, I'm on a big, like high horse here to make sure that expectations are met here because the median number is like 124 downloads per episode per month. That's the median number, which means half of all shows get more than that and half of all shows get less than that. So that's 124 downloads per episode per month. It's 124. Only 7.1% of all podcasts get 5,000 downloads per episode per month. Only 7.1%. Just sit with that for a while. Because (laughs) the majority of people aren't... Hear my voice. Hear my voice. No, seriously. People are like, I'm not getting thousands of... Right. Most people aren't. Nobody does. It's not just you. Nobody does. It's like, no, dudes. Y'all, for me now, when I see somebody's download numbers, if you have anywhere from 300 to 600 downloads per episode per month, that is a healthy show. That is a healthy show with a mm-hmm. great audience. It's a vibrant audience. That is what you should aim for. If anything above that is like, ooh, great. You can totally start to awesome because the majority, that's what you get. And we're all striving for all of these extra numbers. And dude, y'all, 
I'm telling you, I just saw the numbers for one of my most favorite shows that is a highly produced show with amazing talent that is hitting one specific type of demographic. I thought that they had a lot more per episode per month, but they literally don't. They just hit that 7.1% area, you know? And I'm sitting there going, wow. I mean, all I can tell you is that every time you hear fantastic shows out there, they are right in the same boat as you are in. And they are not the types of, you know, the numbers that you hear out there. That's a bunch of hogwash. So if you are making 124 downloads per episode per month more, like if you're getting 125, dude, you're better than half of all the shows out there. So aim for anywhere between 300 to 600. If I was listening to you say that, I would be so depressed. Well, the thing is, you have to see it with your eyes open. You can't be there going like, how do I get more? How do I get more? Oh, my God. Why do it if you're only going to get 100 people to listen? It just feels... I mean, if that's the case... Listen, I mean, it's worth a try. But I I feel like this is difficult to say, but I do sort of feel like if you're only getting 100 or less people to listen, like, blogging would be a better choice because you can get readers with traffic. Like, you can't do that with a podcast. But it does make a huge difference in what people do here. I'm not, you know, it's funny, like, I didn't start a podcast without an an established audience. I've always had an audience. I didn't start with no social media, no following, no online friends, like nothing out of the blue. I didn't just wake up one day and decided I wanted to talk about paint or something, you know, so like, I, so I don't know. I don't think I would have done it if I was starting from scratch. I don't know that I could just wake up one day and say, I've got to talk about Batman. I don't care who hears me and then worry about how I'm going to get the audience. I already had an audience and I don't, I don't know that it's the best choice for someone who doesn't have an audience because growing an audience is hard. It took me, I mean, I taught, I started my podcast in 2013. I've been on the internet growing an audience since 2008. That's a long, that's seven years of building up contacts that would eventually unbeknownst to me, listen to my podcast. So people who are just starting a podcast and two months later, how do I grow my audience? I mean, what else have you done? People who have an audience have an audience because they have an audience, not because they have a podcast. So like you look, I mean, we look at like cereal and stuff like that and you think, well, their show is not as good as mine. Right. But NPR has a huge audience, not Sarah Koenig, not Ira Glass. NPR is huge. New York Times is huge. These networks are now huge. People know to go to Wondery or how stuff works because they themselves have a huge audience. Everyone who's successful, I think, if I could think about it for a minute, started out with a huge audience. And if they didn't, and you're like, for example, Liz Covart, who was in academia, and then she decided, hey, I'd like to talk about Ben Franklin's world. I love using her as an example because she hustles her ass off to get that audience. She's consistent. She's well-branded. She's invested money in help. Or when she was doing it herself, she was meticulous as hell about getting it out. She took bookmarks everywhere. She, she, I mean, all right, I'm done. I think I'm done with my soap. I sounded like I wanted to say something else. And I think I just, I, that was it. I've expelled it. It's just you need to grow an audience everywhere. And I'm not saying start writing a blog. I'm just saying learn about how to grow an audience, not podcast audience, but like social media marketing. What are you offering to people? You're having these conversations. 
why do they want to listen? It's not because new episode interview with Jenna Thompson. What are you talking about? What did you learn? What's going to change their lives? Was it funny? Was it thoughtful? Did you make mistakes? Why? 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 That's it. The end. The end. All right. <sighs> well, this was well. a good first segment as far as... <laughs> I know. We're like very podcast, excited Super about Squad. it. But that went on that for a said, bit. Though, if you want advice delivered a little less emphatically please join us at shepodcast.com forward slash patreon if you are on the five dollar level you get free access to us in the super well you don't it's five dollars but you get access to us in the super (laughs) squad uh you get unlimited access for five dollars you can ask any question in there somewhat there it's a very active group just like she podcast except there it's much smaller you get much more individual attention from elsie and i and from the other members so ShePodcast.com forward slash Patreon. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to go ahead and say you can find our show notes at ShePodcast.com. If you want to donate to the Kickstarter and or buy a ticket to the show, ShePodcast.com forward slash live. That will either go to the Kickstarter or the website, depending on whether or not we're done, though. And let's see. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShePodcast. Thank you so much for listening, Elsie. Thank you for being brilliant and beautiful as always. Oh, you're so sweet. As you as well. And and John, thank you for being brilliant and beautiful as always as yes. well. And shut up once in a while. Jeez. <laughs> Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. He was very quiet this time, which is rare for him. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I guess we'll see you next week. Love you. Mean it. Bye. <laughs>